This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Podcast Network, the podcast that will lovingly fill the void of college football with sweet, often nonsensical musings of people with nothing better to do. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazeandBrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you sculptor's rendition of a Persian foot soldier. How the hell you been? I am cold, man. The winter is here. It's in full effect. I'm already tired of it. I'm so not a winner guy. Like, I mean, all we have to watch is like mid-season NBA basketball now. Like, I mean, you got NCAA basketball, but that doesn't really start getting good for for a bit. There's nothing to keep me warm except for the love of my girlfriend and alcohol, which I guess isn't bad. I was, th- that sounds okay. I think you're doing all right in that department. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to complain about. It's just cold. It's fair. It is cold. Bay. the Celtics did pummel the Lakers last night, which felt really good. Yeah, yeah, an, an old-school slobber knocker of a game. I uh, think LeBron James might get ring number four, which should shake up the sports community a little bit, so that'll be fun. Yeah, he is. No, he's not getting it. Don't put that out there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. But uh, <laughs> football world, the last football that we had, the national championship, uh, was a good game for a while before it wasn't. Uh, definitely, I would say, the two best teams on the field, though. Um, you could make an argument for Ohio State, but we will not. And uh, Joe Burrow, really the story of, of this entire season. I'm not just that game, but really one of the more dominant seasons you'll see from LSU. Yeah, that was just very, very impressive. I always hate it when anytime a current team wins, people say it's one of the best teams of all time. 
But in this case, it's true. That offense is historic. The way the defense adapted and got better throughout the game, Dave Aranda was brilliant, and hence why that team got gutted afterwards. Absolutely gutted. Yeah, that is not going to be your preseason top team next year just with what they lose. Um, and, I mean, that's how it works. You have a historically great season. People are going to want the talent you had on that team, uh, whether it be the players going to the draft or the coaches um, going, you know, up getting to – their next level, whatever that may be. Uh, Brady going to the Carolina Panthers, Aranda going to Baylor to replace Matt Rule. So a lot of moving and shaking on that staff. Would you rather have Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence if you're an NFL franchise? I mean, I right now would say Joe Burrow. I know everyone just goes completely apeshit for Trevor Lawrence, but I mean, you got to look at the tape and look at the uh, you know, what you've seen as far as just gameplay, and that's Joe Burrow clearly to me. Wouldn't you say so? How do you see it? I understand why people want to say Trevor Lawrence because of all the the measurables you see at the combine, the height, the size, the prototypical arm, everything. But the season Joe Burrow put up, the frame he's in, I'm fine. I like to see players that win and can produce at a high level, and he did both. It was a historic season with over 60 touchdowns to six interceptions. He won every game. What more can you ask for? He's not like 4-5 or five with a little pistol of an arm. No, he's a killer. Give me that any day of the week. This is how people overthought Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky went second. Yeah, you don't overthink it because Lawrence has got three inches and maybe like tenths of a second or whatever it is in, in 40 time. You don't overthink it. You you believe in what you saw on tape and Joe Burrow. I mean, I, his accuracy is unprecedented at the college level. I mean, he's completing at a ridiculous clip over 70% on a season. That's unreal. You just take the guy and move on. Yeah. It's, it's simple. You don't have to overthink it. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but if it's one or the other, give me Joey buckets. Yeah, absolutely. And he'll fit into any system. So you don't worry about system with a guy like that. You adapt your system for that guy. He can run a little bit, but his accuracy, it's exactly what you want on the next level. Now, if you said to me, what would I prefer at Michigan for four years? You know, would I rather get four years of Lawrence or four years of Burrow and Burrow takes a little bit longer to develop? Well, that might change my answer because Lawrence has played like he has at a lot for a longer level, but Burrow's at a much more elite quarterback level right now, I would say. Yeah, you give me one year of Joe Burrow, I'll take about five years of doom and gloom. This this LSU season was magical, and it was really cool to see him cap it off. I literally think we could have won every game on our schedule with Joe Burrow as our quarterback. That's how good he is, even with our garbage defensive tackle spot. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on that one. <laughs> I mean, he was that good. We're definitely in it against Ohio State, but let's not dream about such things. Let's uh, let's talk about what's real. And uh, there's been a lot of turnover. Um, you know, coaching staff, players leaving since we last really addressed this. We wanted to wait and see how things shook out before we really reported on it. And I think that we're probably done with the players transferring, um, and we could still get some transfers, um, and then coaches leaving as well. So uh, do you want to kind of run us through who's staying, who's leaving, coaches, players, all that? Yeah, we'll get into it. Let's let's start with who's staying. Players-wise, Nico Collins is returning, Nick Eubanks, Carlo Kemp, Ambry Thomas, which we kind of assumed he was, but thank you for the announcement, Ambry. <laughs> Coach is staying, Don Brown. So... That was the only real spot they thought they might lose that came back. So he's back. Your thoughts? Um, of all of those, what would you say is the biggest uh, biggest news? Like what helps the team the most? What return? Nico Collins. 
It is. That's the that's the correct answer. <laughs> you have it listed in, in order of importance here. How it's listed: Nico Collins being the most important, uh, Nick Eubanks being pretty important, Carlo Kemp, and then Ambry Thomas. Uh, but let's not undersell Don Brown returning. I mean, this is still a very good defensive coordinator. That uh, when you take out his really bad games, is probably a top three coordinator in the country. Yeah, his worst season, this team still finished 11th in total defense. So it's not act like Michigan was ranked in the 60s or 70s here. Yeah, exactly. So Don Brown comes back, continuity on the defense. That's a good thing. But Nico Collins is going to be huge. I mean, this is going to be a man amongst boys next year. It's like he's the closest thing we've had to Braylon Edwards. You saw him body men against Notre Dame, Michigan State last year. I mean, he can just go up and flat out get it. He'll beat pretty much whoever's on him unless Jeff Rokuda is getting there a half second too early. I don't want to get back into that, but there's not really anyone in the Big Ten that's going to be able to cover this guy next year. I mean, he's going to have a monster season. Yeah, and – Come on. Okuda just bodied him. That's gamesmanship. I hate to stick up for Jeffrey Okuda of all people, but man. It was good. It was good coverage. I mean, if you're getting there so close to when the ball arrives that it's a a bang-bang call, they probably won't call it most of the time. That's good coverage, so I can't hate too much, but he was getting early. Yes, it'll be good to see him develop. I think it was the right decision, and that brings us into players that left that felt like they didn't need to stay and develop, and that is Cesar Ruiz, who's been graded at number one or number two center. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I've seen as high as a late first-round pick, and Josh Uche, who could play himself up to a second-rounder, but looking more like round three or four. Yeah, and uh, a lot of these make sense, especially Ruiz, who I didn't want to like shout it from the rooftops like I am for John Runyon because he was leaving anyway. But Ruiz's tape, especially in the second half of the year, is flat-out dominant. He's able to get out and pull. I mean, and he has such speed and athleticism at that size. Um, I've heard him basically be the second rated center behind the the guy from Wisconsin. If you want a more athletic center, if you're running more of a zone blocking scheme, Ruiz is your first center off the board probably. So that makes sense, but that one hurts the team the most, I would say. Um, You and I were pro Uche going pro just because it's a weaker uh, defensive end class. You might not be guaranteed that next year. And I mean, he's earned it just with how hard he's worked. And I I think that it was the right call for him. DPJ is the one that a lot of people are wavering on, but he's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted. Yeah, I've seen people have him at like pick 20. So I thought he should have come back to refine some skills or whatever. But who am I to say that? It's... It's his decision, and I'm not going to hate on him for it and just sit here in fury and just be pissed off. He's leaving, but he had a good career at Michigan. It wasn't great. He was a solid player. I'm going to miss him in punt returns especially. Absolutely, and if he came back, he definitely probably would have moved into that upper echelon. you got to wonder if him and Nico Collins didn't kind of have this discussion, like whoever was rated lower uh, between them, they'd come back next year. I mean, this is a historically deep wide receiver class. So had Peoples-Jones come back next year, I really like his chances to be a first-rounder. Also, he's in medical school, so, I mean, could have got his degree, but he knows what's best for him. If he goes second round, and, I mean, I think he will, not dip below the second round, he's too athletic, he'll get paid. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be just fine. And also, I mean, I guess Shea Patterson's gone too, but he's graduating, and we're not going to miss him. We're just going to drive him to the airport. Yeah, <laughs> I'll shake his hand for what he did and tell him to enjoy the links this summer. <laughs> Some players transferring. Tariq Black, Steven Spinellis. Seems like Christian Turner's trending that direction. Dwumfor, Jalen Kelly Powell, True Wilson, Jordan Anthony. 
who of that group are we going to miss the most? Uh, I would say, honestly, you'd like to have Dwam 4 for the depth, but from what I'm hearing, he wasn't even invited back. Um, if that's the case, then I would say you're probably going to miss Steven Spinellis the most out of that group, which is crazy to say. What do you think? Yeah, I would I would say so, because Spinellis was going to play on the line. I mean, it was going to be his time. So, man, it's weird. That, uh, the, the misses and the transfers from the recruiting classes are kind of adding up. Let me give you a couple that have transferred from 2016 and 2017. And just bad, I know that. Yeah, well, I'll give you 16 first. Brandon Peters, Devin Asiasi, that one hurt. Kareem Walker, yeah, Kokoa Crawford, Ron Johnson, Eddie McDoom, Elise Mbumbasi, mm-hmm. best guess. Nate Johnson, Spinellis, Kingston Davis, and then Dwum Four. 2017, here you go. Aubrey Solomon, Drew Singleton, James Hudson, Deron Irving Bay, Omari Samuels, Corey Malone, Hatcher, Kurt Taylor, Jeraymond Hall, Jamaric Woods, Tariq Black, Jordan Anthony, Oliver Martin, Jalen Kelly Powell. That's just way too many people. The bigger concern, though, is that you missed on a lot of those guys. Like, none of those guys really made an impact, and that's why they all ended up transferring. You missed on a lot of guys in 2016 and 2017. Highly rated recruits. Um, Aubrey Solomon, he just couldn't get on the field, couldn't make an impact. Oliver Martin got beat out by guys like, I mean, look at our wide receiver core now. I mean, Ronnie Bell, guys like that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a bad look, but it's more about just missing on contributors than it is transfers. It is. And Ambry Thomas had some revealing comments about culture with the, within, the, within the program. And I'm wondering if certain players like Dwum for Tariq Black, Shea Patterson, and them leaving is not going to do wonders for this team next season. From what I've read, I've gathered about a couple of players that could have been really negatives in the locker room. Yeah, Tariq Black, it's hard to, to really argue that when you see those clips circulating around the internet of him giving about 30% effort against Ohio State when it was still a game. I mean, he was checked out. He already knew he was transferring. He'd been passed up on the depth chart by guys that, I mean, didn't even have a 247 recruiting profile. So, yeah, he was upset with being there. And, I mean, his attitude kind of showed through. I mean, the one catch he had against, what was it, Notre Dame, Michigan State, he flexed and got yelled at immediately. I mean, it just, it didn't really work out for Tariq at Michigan. No, and once Nico and DPJ really came into the room when he was hurt, especially Nico, it was just going to be an uphill battle for him. He still got opportunities. And then Dwum for not being invited back makes me think wasn't a happy marriage there as well. Maybe Christian Turner was upset with what happened with his situation. I don't know. I'm speculating at this point, but it seems like some guys that could be upset were upset. I think the team's going to be better off without him. Yeah. I mean, you look at True Wilson, love True Wilson. Shame to see him go, but look at our running back depth chart next year. That's yeah. not the case of up there being a problem with the program. He's the fifth running back now. We got Blake Corum coming in. Jordan yeah. Anthony, he got passed up by Anthony Solomon. Dwum Four couldn't stay healthy. Like, why waste the roster spot on him when you can maybe go get a transfer? So, I mean, a lot of these guys make a lot of sense. Spinellis definitely would have played with Cesar Ruiz leaving, but that's about the only guy you're like, huh, well, there goes some snaps. But um, let's, let's talk about the coaches, though. So I think this might end up being the bigger departures other than any of those transfers, and that's Chris, Chris Partridge taking the D coordinator job down in the SEC at Mississippi State, and Anthony Campanelli supposedly getting hired by the Dolphins, although it wasn't announced in their press release today. 
presumably that's where he'll be at. Um, those are two guys that have been mentioned a lot. Chris Partridge, kind of the D coordinator in grooming, but this is probably a good move for him as he still had a few years to go at Michigan. Now gets a chance to be a D coordinator uh, in a power five conference. So, yeah, it's, it's going to hurt recruiting or that's where it, the, yeah. the gap will be seen. That's it. We don't really know about the X's and O's behind the scenes with them. We've never seen them call plays at Michigan or anything like that. It was all speculative with Chris Partridge, especially just coming up from the high school ranks a few years ago. So we'll see. It was the right move for him. This is what happens in college football. You jump puddles until you find your role and then you progress through that. It's just how it goes. We'll miss him in recruiting, especially Partridge, but good on him. Gets to call some plays and gets his own shot and a fresh start at Mississippi State. Yeah, and if he kills it, I mean, we got two more years of Don Brown and we're really not feeling it. Well, let him get those snaps and we'll bring him right back. That's fine. Yeah, but let's let's kind of talk. We kind of had a player swap with Mississippi State. I'm sorry, a coach swap with them. We brought in Bob Shoup. What do you think about him? Well, I mean, the guy's two years removed from having one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the country in 2018. Um, that was a loaded uh, 2018 Mississippi State team. They were, The bag men were on top of it for that recruiting class. Um, but I mean, this is a guy that's been a D coordinator, a high level. So, you know, he's going to have his guys in the right position, not as big of a recruiting hire with this guy, but you're getting a great coach on the staff, probably for a one-year rental, honestly. It's what it feels like. It's, it's a, definitely a good move. He's going to come in there, give Don Brown some ideas, different things, another brain in the room to bounce ideas off of. Exactly. And uh, to fill the recruiting loss, uh, it looks like it's going to be Brian Jean Mary, Sean Mary, I, I believe. Um, he's 44. He's a Charlie Strong guy. Uh, he was on the staff at Texas. And uh, while there, he was recruiting coordinator, helped sign three top 15 classes. So this is a guy with a pipeline down south into Texas, proven recruiter. Uh, he's younger. You know, he's hungry. This is going to be a guy that can maybe connect with the players a little bit more, having played more recently. This is your your partridge replacement. You hope that this guy can maybe give us some inroads down in Florida and Texas, some places where we maybe weren't as strong, whereas partridge was stronger in New Jersey. This is huge. This gets us more in the talent, fertile, rich areas of the country. This guy's on his way up. He's loyal. He's been with Charlie Strong for 10 years. He's not just going to leave for any old job. He's coming to Michigan, and that's going to carry a lot of weight. I can't. I'm ecstatic to have him on the staff. Yeah, it's a good hire. I mean, Partridge wasn't going to stick around forever. You just had to go get somebody to fill that void. And say what you will about Harbaugh, he's filled every vacancy with a guy that ends up coming in and working out pretty well. Look at Jim McElwain. Uh, look at Ed Wariner. So when he has to go fill a void by somebody leaving, uh, he gets a really, really good hire, and I think this is another one. Yeah, Josh Gaddis. If Jim Harbaugh could just beat Ohio State, we would worship him. <laughs> Josh Gaddis would be an absolute legend right now for how good Gaddis was as a hire. I mean, he's probably got one more year, and then people are going to realize that he's going to get a job somewhere. I mean, he's already probably scratching the surface. So, Yeah, so it's these are great hires, and Harbaugh just continues the trend of bringing more strong minds and strong coaches into the room. Absolutely. So uh, we were going to talk about where we think Michigan falls into the top 25, but we're talking depth chart when we come back after the break. And we might be able to get into that, just talk a bigger picture of where Michigan is with all these departures. Uh, we'll still see if we get some transfers, watch the defensive tackle market. That might be a place we're looking. Cornerback might make some sense. So, But we're starting to get a picture of what this roster is going to look like next year. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's really talk through this depth chart, make, through, make our predictions on it, and uh, talk about where where we think this team will be talent-wise in the Big Ten next year. We'll talk that right after this. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back on Out of the Blue. It is off season, so we got nothing better to do than talk about what we think is going to happen next year. So we're going to go through this depth chart position by position, talk about our options and what we think is going to happen. We're going to settle on an official depth chart. If we can, we'll, uh, we'll post it here in the, uh, in the doc, if possible. Uh, where do you want to start on this? My friend, you want to go offense first? Let's go offense. Cause we're going to have a lot of questions up front that could decide the season. Absolutely. I'm down with it. You want to start, let's, let's leave quarterback for last. Cause that's a big discussion. Let's start with probably the most certain position. Let's go running back. Running back, it's it's a two-man race with a wild card thrown in. It's 1A, 1B, however you want to split it. But from what I've seen, it's going to be Zach Charbonnet, 1A, Hassan Haskins, 1B, Chris Evans, utility, Darren Sproles type of player. That's exactly how I see it as well. Charbonnet, you could have made a case for Haskins. Yes. Uh, after Notre Dame, you could have said that was the best running back on the roster. He's still learning the position a little bit. We saw that when he came up against better defenses in Ohio State and Alabama. Um, he's got to learn to follow his blockers a little bit, stuff that he can get better at. As far as physically, he's ready. He's ready to be an every down back in the Big Ten. But Charbonnet showed me something against Alabama. He's your 1A. I got Haskins 1B, going to see a lot of touches. Evans is going to be so interesting in this Gaddis offense. I think you're absolutely right. Very much a utility back. Love the Darren Sproles comparison. He's just going to provide a nice change of pace. And I hope there's a balance between Charbonnet and Haskins. You don't need a bulldozer type of workhorse back when you can have these two to balance it out. You really don't. But also, if a guy's hot, ride the hot hand. They did that in two games this year uh, against Ohio State and against Alabama where they switched it up after the half who was getting the majority of touches. Charbonnet was crushing Alabama. And then they kind of went to Haskins, went to some more short check down stuff, kind of got away from running Charbonnet. And uh, it showed in the second half against Alabama. So I'd be fine with having Zach Charbonnet be your lead back. But yeah, you, you want to see a lot of Haskins as well. It's the 49ers philosophy right now. Hot hand gets the ball. You have three good running backs. Whoever's the hottest, give them the ball and keep feeding it to them. Simple. Yeah. 
you got four. Blake Corum's going to see touches next year. Now, ideally, you only play him in four games and save him for the last four or something or games when you really need to rest Charbonnet or Haskins. Uh, but Blake Corum's real, real talented. Uh, he's going to see the field as well. So you got four guys you feel good about. That is a, a real, real deep position. Maybe the best in the Big Ten next year. Uh, probably the best in the Big Ten. Maybe one of the best in the country as far yeah. as that. Yeah, let's not – Let's not burn Blake Quorum's red shirt. We have three really good backs in front of him. <laughs> you don't need to. Ideally, he plays four games to give other guys some rest. He's Yeah, and, and he maybe plays the bowl game or something. All right, let's go to receiver. You want to take us there? Yeah, let's go to receiver. Obviously, your receiver number one needs no introduction. There's no denying it. It's Nico Collins. Now, Ronnie Bell might statistically lead this team in receptions, reception yard, not touchdown. Nico Collins is your touchdown receiver. I mean, you can put that in pen, chisel it into my chest. I don't even care. Nico Collins is going to have like 11 touchdowns next year. It's going to be a monster year. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. Uh, and then on the other side, you got Ronnie Bell, who's perfectly suited to be a number two wide receiver. He's fast. He can high point the ball. Athletic, savvy. That's a great one-two punch. You feel great about your X and Y receivers. Yeah, you have to feel ecstatic about it. Ronnie Bell just... If everybody can clean up their drops a little bit, but especially Ronnie Bell, have this sure-handed guy who's just gotten better every season and continues to prove whatever doubters are out there wrong. And then third receiver, you have, honestly, a split time between Mikey Sainerstrill and Giles Jackson. Giles Jackson, who was MVP the last two games, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who are you going to sit? Sainerstrill showed me a lot. I mean, as well, you got to be very excited about him. So once again, same as this year, it's like, do you have enough balls to go around? Great problem to have. Giles Jackson is a star in the making. I mean, he's what we thought Dennis Norfleet was going to be, except he is that. And he's got an offensive coordinator who can utilize him. So him and Chris Evans this is going to be the most athletic. Oh, my God, I'm shaking just thinking about it, how athletic this Michigan offense is going to be. Sainer Stone Jackson, and then you bring on Imam Dennis, A.J. Henning, and Roman Wilson. I mean, there's probably not enough balls for all three of them to go around. If you got to pick one, Henning's the highest rated. He might see some catches, but you got Cornelius Johnson in there too. Yeah, say don't forget him or George Johnson. The talent at receiver is deep, so we're not going to be lacking on the outside. And then we'll continue on to tight end. Nick Eubanks is back, who is getting better at blocking, but is more a prototypical receiving tight end. Huge boon needed that to happen because you don't feel great. I mean, you like what you've seen from Eric all definitely needs to take huge steps in year two, but you like what you see. Uh, I think you hit on Eric all and that's great. So you got this year for Eubanks to be your starter. We're not going to run nearly as many two tight end sets. Eric all a little bit more of a receiving tight end as well. So as far as receiving options, God, just give us a quarterback because we got him. Yeah, that's all we need right there. All the skill positions on the offense are set, but the biggest question mark for the whole season next year rely on the offensive line it does it does and quarterback one more mention on the tight end um would you think we'd be better off with a more well-rounded tight end like if we brought back a um i mean like obviously you'd love to have a jake but but would a blocking tight end be like a good boon for this offense because you got luke shoemaker as well who could see some snaps as a blocking tight end uh, this offense really seems predicated on the spread them out kind of thing and it's yeah. It's copycat football, so I think you're going to see more of the LSU model where you just spread everybody out with a basic protection. So maybe you'd want that. I mean, ideally, you want the complete package. You sure. want the TJ Hawkinsons of the world, the George Kittles. But I think Nick Eubanks is as good as it's going to get for us. 
yeah, I don't see a huge upgrade unless you uh, really hit with Eric all and he takes a big jump next year, but he'll, he'll see some targets, but yeah, let's go to the offensive line. Uh, that's where there's, there's some interesting positions here and uh, maybe some room for discussion. Yeah. Let's work our way through it from left to right, left tackle. I think we're both consensus here. Jalen Mayfield. Yeah, I think he's going to start. I mean, you have to like what you saw with Mayfield. Got beat by some of the more savvy, uh, you know, veteran guys. He's still a young guy. Um, So him coming in next year, I think he'll be really solid. I mean, and he's a prototypical tackle size. we got a couple prototypical tackles on the roster. Didn't for a while under Harbaugh. We do now. I feel fine with him at left tackle. Yeah, the experience he got last year, he's definitely kicking out there. For whatever reason, they want to keep him at right for some reason. I don't foresee it, but... We agree he's going to be left. Um, moving inside, Chuck Filiaga. We found him. There he is on the depth chart, on our depth chart, no less. It's glad to see him get off the milk cartons and finally find his home at left guard. Absolutely. It's where he belongs. Size-wise, he's a great fit. He's been on the roster since we were about 13. So I'm really excited for this guy. And from what you hear from Ed Wariner, he's strong enough, he's physical enough, and he knows the playbook. He's just got to piece it all together next year. It's his job to lose. I think he fills in admirably. You're never going to have another Ben Bredesen, or it's going to be a while until we do. He won't be Ben Bredesen, but he'll be serviceable, I think, right off the bat. I think so as well. And you're behind, you know, Ben Bredesen. He's been there forever, a staple of the offense, and just a true leader and somebody to learn from. Um, continuing on at center, Andrew Vastardis. He had some buzz around him last year, but no one was ever going to really push Ruiz. So he's come in and, uh, you know, in relief times for other players in the interior line. So he feels like the guy that's going to anchor the line next year. Yeah, I like that. Let's also kind of touch on maybe some of the potential backups. At left guard, you had mentioned Trent Jones or Zach Zinter. Zach Zinter, a true freshman, but a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Trent Jones, definitely uh, listed as a tackle prospect, but having uh, been in the program for a year, he's real talented, really high recruited, so watch them as well. I think you're right on center, though, with Vastardis, just because of his years in the program. Uh, That's the quarterback of your offensive line. You want a guy that knows the protections, so you probably go with the older Vastardis, but the other guy to watch there is redshirt freshman Zach Carpenter, I would say. Uh, Prototypical size, I think he's about 6'5", listed at. Um, I mean, real athletic, highly recruited recruited he's had a year under Werner if someone's going to take it from Vastardis I think it's going to be Carpenter it's it's sad that through three positions we feel pretty good like we know what's going to happen and now we get to the right side of the line where I don't know what the hell it's going to look like I have we can speculate all we want and our speculations have led us to a combination of two six seven behemoths at right (laughs) guard with Andrew Stuber moving inside and converted tight end to right tackle Ryan Hayes. Yeah, it gets interesting on the right. You could argue that it gets interesting at center, too. That's where things start to get a little bit fishy, and you don't exactly know how it's going to play out. It's a good problem to have having Stuber come back, who was the starting right tackle to start this season, but he uh, went out with a knee injury, so we'll have him back next year. If you believe the philosophy gets your best guys out there, then Stuber's going to play guard or tackle. I mean, but who do you move inside? I mean, Hayes was playing at right tackle for us, so you got to think he has the – the, uh, the leg up there, but Stuber, as you mentioned, is gigantic, not necessarily a guard prospect. The other names there are Nolan Rumler and Carson Barnhart. Once again, highly recruited guys, but young, and you like Stuber and Hayes, so you got to figure they see time on the line. I don't know. You're right. I'm confused about the, about the right side. <laughs> yeah, Joel Horningford's another name to throw out there. 
Uh, more typical size, about 6'6", right around 290 at guard. But I have no idea what this is going to look like. But it's nice to see, because we were worried for so long about Michigan's depth, especially at tackle. Right guard, I'm still a little weary about what they're going to do. I don't know if a 6'7 person can play it. But, I mean, Ben Bredesen was huge, and he did it last year, so we'll see. I bet you can do it at 6'7". I mean, I'm going to have to do some research, but there's probably been a 6'7 guard before in the NFL. It has to have been, right? Hmm. I don't know. We'll do some research. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll look into that for the listeners, but that's yeah. that's a big offensive line for next season. Yeah, I'm all right with it. I mean, you like what you have in Stuber. You got to figure he sees the line. He's not going in at center. Um, left guard Filiaga just seems like a perfect fit there. A lot of names, not a lot of proven ability. It could be interesting against Washington, that opening game. This offensive line is going to get tested. There have been two starting NFL guards that were 6'7", and that was Robert Gallery, who was a bust, and Kevin Kogan. Both played for the Raiders. Interesting. Well, we don't need him to play for the Raiders. We need him to just play at the college level and be serviceable. So that's why you're the best in the business, my friend. Let's go, let's go over to the position everyone's talking about, the most important position on the field, and that's quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, how do you want to start this discussion? Let's start it with who do you think wins it? Who trots out against Washington? Dylan McCaffrey. I... It's run DMC. I don't have any hesitation. You can buy into the Joe Milton buzz all you want. They're probably going to get him on the field in some way to appease him. But there's virtually no doubt in my mind that it's Dylan McCaffrey. I'm less certain. I, if it's Joe Milton, I wouldn't be jaw on the floor surprised. Uh, the intangibles are there. His teammates love him. Um, but if you're buying what you're hearing in offseason rumblings, you know, they didn't like Shea Patterson and that didn't really matter. So who they like is not going to matter. But I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm. He can run just as well as Dylan McCaffrey. Well, maybe not as as well as Dylan McCaffrey. So he could get it, get it, the job, but I have to agree with you. Dylan McCaffrey's just had, you know, 40, 50 more snaps than he has in yeah. in-game action. That's going to help him. Yeah, everything we read last season was Gaddis love, McCaffrey, how he looked, wanted him to start. But Patterson came in, improved, because he started off very, very poor. It's like he'd been on the links too much in the summer. But he got better, and he played really well in the middle of the season. I think this is Dylan McCaffrey's team. This is his time. I think he's more complete. I think he's a little more accurate. Both have their flaws, or at least they've been exposed as they've been coming up. But I feel good. Do you, do you feel better about this quarterback group than you did about the 2016 group when Wilton Spate ultimately beat out uh, – who did he beat out? John O'Corn and – oh, the lefty who ended up um, – Peters. You know, no, there was another guy. He ended up going to Central Michigan. Oh, gosh. Shane, uh, what Shane was Morris. It? Shane Morris. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, can I answer in emojis? If you saw my face right now, like the answer is immeasurably yes. Uh, this is a much better, this is one of the best quarterback depth charts. Uh, I wrote an article about, you know, my predictions for this season. I said we'd see improved quarterback play, and that's without me predicting who it is. And uh, someone in the comments mentioned, uh, oh, you don't know what you're talking about if you don't mention Cade McNamara being a serious contender. Uh, yes, I do, and no, he's not. It's one DMC or it's Joe Milton. Uh, that, that's the fact of the matter. And uh, the ceiling is raised higher than it's been in the in the Harbaugh era by far with whatever quarterback trots out that day. Whoever it is is going to have the highest ceiling. Look, Shea Patterson was a was a game manager, and at times he could make some things happen with his legs, but limited arm strength, limited accuracy, decision-making, questionable at times, uh, above-average athleticism, not elite athleticism. All of those things I just mentioned, McCaffrey and Milton have. 
just like a drunk Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof for these quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I could have said it better myself. <laughs> Let's go over to the defense, man, where things seem a little more, I don't want to say set in stone, but with the players moving up, I feel really good about where this defense is next year. Yeah, like this year, you felt really good about the offense with the offensive line that we had coming back. Next year, you feel a little bit better about the defense with what we have returning. Um, I don't necessarily being at, see it being some huge jump in productivity. You don't have some Rashawn Gary coming back for his sophomore year. Closest thing you have to that is the development of guys like Hutchinson and uh, Dax Hill at your safety. But uh, where do you want to start? You want to start on the line? Yeah, let's go ahead and start with the behemoth you talked about, Aiden Hutchinson, a player who's better than Rashawn Gary. Minus all the hype, he is just flat out better and been more productive thus far. All the takes are going to fly. Salt and pepper returned on each end. It's Quiddy Pay, it's Aiden Hutchinson. I feel as good about this defensive end combo as I have with any combo at Michigan. I feel like this is the best maybe returning one-two punch since uh, Charlton and Wormley in 16. Uh, well, Gary and Winovich is better than that. I don't think Gary's bad. No, I think I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I disagree. Well, interesting. You were always a staunch Gary defender for what he did, like how you had to game plan around him, but I'm a defender, but still, I mean, what, what was better is that. So (laughs) I'd I'd probably take Winovich and Gary over Charlton Wormley personally. Um, but I'd probably take Hutchinson pay over the both of them. It's a good combination of production and star power with Hutchinson and consistency with pay leadership. Um, pays never really out of place. Yeah. He's a year in the strength program. Again, he was already one of the strongest guys on the line. So, uh, yeah, you, you love what you have there. Let's talk about who's backing them up. Cause we will see the backups. I'm a little higher than Ojabo, David Ojabo than you are. Uh, I had him backing up one of the defensive end spots. You've got Valane and Welshoff. Yeah, I've got, I, you know, I had just to put the camp guys on there. The guys you're going to hear about this fall coming up. I haven't seen Ojabo play at all so i just i'm very dubious of what he can do i hope he develops and great name but yeah welshoff has been talked about ever since the germany trip luigi valane is the the player that can he played some this season but he's the guy you're going to hear about in camp but he's finally coming on for the fourth year in a row i won't be saying that no he was never my guy ojabo's my guy um, I think he comes in and he replaces UJ as that kind of combo D end linebacker. I think he's going to see the field hyper athletic, big at about six, four. Um, I mean, this will be his what third year in the program, red shirt, sophomore, red shirt, freshman. So, I mean, he's had some time under Don Brown in that strength program. Um, he's going to see the field a lot. I mean, fast twitch athlete definitely can rush the passer Excited about him. Welshoff is just a gigantic man carved from the foundation of Germany. <laughs> they say he's the size of Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, no, him and Hutchinson give me the all beef package. Give, yeah, that is a lot of human being when you've got Welshoff and Hutchinson on the line at the same time. Welshoff, very raw, though. So, I mean, he's a body. He's a name. We haven't really seen much from him. Um, I think that Valane and Ojabo probably see, see the field before Welshoff personally. Also, don't count out early enrollee Braden McGregor coming in. The kid's got something about him. He really does. He's coming off, uh, what is it, ACL and MCL, pretty bad knee injury. So I bet by the end of the season, yeah, he'll, he'll be getting snaps. He'll be in the rotation. Might just need a few, few more weeks, a uh, couple more months, early part of the season, maybe. I don't know. The, the medical technology's come so far, he could be fine in like three and a half minutes from now. So I don't, I don't know. 
Who was the Michigan player? Was it uh, Jake Ryan that came back like in like th- like six months? Yeah, both Ryan and Jake Butt came back uh, the fastest. I mean, granted, I wasn't really tracking ACL and MCL injuries up until, you know, those happened. Yeah, but uh, they came back in like six months. Good God. Some people, we're not the same species as these players, so we just no, have to accept no. that. And they're like 18, 19. So McGregor could very well be full go for full camp for all we know. So if he is, that's another name to watch. But you feel good about defensive end. I mean, I like that. If you're getting backed up by McGregor and Ojabo and you're just going based on potential, I think those guys are going to hit. So uh, let's move Let's move down the line to defensive tackle, which has been well documented as a position of weakness. But Carlo Kemp comes back. We touched on that, and the returning players uh, can't even speak on how big that is. Because if not, I don't know what the hell you're doing with this depth chart. No, he brings the leadership. He brings the experience, the quick first step. Carlo Kemp is just – he's the perfect Batman at defense I – mean, I'm sorry, the perfect Robin at defensive tackle. He needs a Batman to play next to. He needs a big body. Chris Hinton got a lot of snaps towards the end of the season. Still developing, but I think next season it looks really good for him. So we'll see. If there's one player that you can hit on next year, would you argue or could you make the argument that uh, Hinton is maybe the most important development of next year outside of the quarterback position? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be in there. We need that defensive. I'm going to skip the offensive line for now, but it has to be on the interior of the defensive line. We got eaten up there last season at times. Yeah, I would say it's either Hinton or maybe a guy like Zach Carpenter of Astartes taking a huge leap at center. Um, but I, I honestly think it's Chris Hinton. I mean, he's a five-star kid. If he hits like a five-star is supposed to hit and you got a star there, you feel a lot better about the interior defensive line. If he's just a guy, just a body to fill, and you're re- relying on Donovan Jeter and, and Maisie Smith and you're hoping for a transfer or you're putting Ben Mason back there or something. I don't, I don't really know what you can expect when you, when you run into the, the team like Wisconsin and Ohio state. Ben Mason may have grit, but I don't want him at defensive tackle. We tried that little experiment and it was cute, but it didn't work. No, I want him shaking down teenage drug dealers in like a gritty crime movie. Like he's a terrifying human being, but he's not a defensive tackle. Yeah. He'd be just fine at that too. He'd be great. He could be like a Danny from the replacements so the crazy linebacker. Yeah. Ben, ben Mason's going to make a hell of a cop one day. Absolutely. Or if he's playing Zangief in a live action street fighter movie, he's the perfect casting. Yeah. We found his future. So good on you, Ben Mason. You will be yeah. successful. It's not a defensive tackle. The other guy that you could make an argument for making a, a big leap is Maisie Smith, four-star, true defensive tackle, big space eater. Why they didn't go recruit a guy like that this year so you had another name in case he misses. I mean, you're already counting on Maisie Smith to take a lot of snaps last year, and you have no idea if he's ready for that at all. No, it's a complete toss-up. So, like you said, without Carlo Kemp coming back, we would be in dire straits of what we're going to do there. And Michigan is still kind of in the market for a transfer defensive tackle. So don't count them out there yet. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you're listening, those fellows over at Stanford, we have a lovely academic program at Michigan. Uh, You'd be welcome with open arms. So yeah, definitely in the market there. Uh, Let's move out to corner. One of my favorite positions to project. Um, And I think we're, we're in pretty good shape next year, but about as good a shape as we've been the last couple years. I think so as well too. I feel really good about corner actually surprising when we were putting this doc together ambry thomas announced he's coming back thank you for that again ambry and (laughs) vincent gray at the other corner vincent gray arguably the most improved player throughout the season on this defense 
Vincent Gray had a quietly good season and was best in the last four or five games. So I feel a lot better with him coming back. He's a Benjamin St. Just that's not afraid to tackle. In fact, he actually excels at tackling, but he's already about as good in coverage as uh, not St. Just uh, Stribling is my comp for him. He's already as good in coverage as Stribling was, but he's not afraid to tackle. So that that's great. We're in good shape there. Ambry Thomas has gotten progressively better, had a really good season this year, had a couple athletic interceptions. He could quietly, I mean, not quietly he could have a big year next year I mean he's a little bit more of a ball hawk than Lavert Hill ever was and maybe even a little more so than David Long ever was so watch for him to be maybe like all Big Ten second team something like that would not surprise me um, backing them up though you got a lot of names like we've just lost a lot in transfers in the cornerback position you'd love to have Benjamin St. Just on the roster still uh, Sammy Faustin, Jamon Green Guys like that, everyone's clamoring. Andre Selden had a killer camp. His star is rising, but Andre Selden is like 5'10", 175 pounds and 17 and a half years old. I mean, he's essentially like my little cousin, Arnie. Like, I mean, he's, he needs a couple years to be a college football player. Yeah, he's got some growing up. He's, I wish he'd get some more height. The kid's got the dog in him that we both love in our players. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bunch of names. You have the Green Brothers back there somewhere, DJ Turner, Sammy Faustin. So it's a lot of question marks, ton of athletes. Just really need to find somebody that can stick to really play that third corner spot. I'm high on Sammy Faustin because he sounds like a lounge singer from like Chicago, 1935. I like that. A big fan of that. Yeah, I'm, I like that as well. Yeah, <laughs> on the lookout for the all-name team. So low-key good names. So yeah, uh, but corner, so long as Gray and Thomas are in there, I feel okay about it. Not super ecstatic. Uh, let's move down to linebacker where we were talking about this offline. You got to feel pretty good about this position as well, especially with Josh Ross returning, providing some depth. Yes, Josh Ross coming back is huge. And a player I completely forgot that was coming back because we haven't seen him in so long. If Cam McGrone anchoring the middle, that's his spot. I'm very sorry, Josh. That's his. Uh, according to package, linebackers tend to change, but Josh Ross will be playing next to him. And at the Viper position, it's Michael Barrett. You like Michael Barrett? I mean, you're a little more cut and dry on this than I am, but I think he's probably leader in the clubhouse. I think he is too. I think the speed and athleticism he had an extra year to put on some size. I think they want speed at that position so they can kind of move him around to the third corner, uh, flex safety position, hybrids. I think he's going to fit the mold there. And as far as McGrone and Ross, I'm pretty sad. I don't think there's any way they're moving. No, 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 you're right there. Um, it, the reason I think you're correct on Viper is that the last two Vipers that we've had have made an impact on special teams early. Barrett did that. Uh, you saw Barrett flash on special teams. That tells me he's a guy that's a player. He's around the ball a lot. Um, he's built for it already. I like him at that position as well. The other name to watch there would be Anthony Solomon. Um, you know, that's just a name at this point. He was coming on at the end of last year, but the guy I love is Jordan Morant, the four-star, high four-star recruit. Um, this dude, I mean, he's already about Khalid Hudson's size, and he's 18 years old, and he's put on about five more pounds to get at Khalid Hudson's weight. And he's faster. He's a higher-rated athlete, higher-recruited athlete. So Jordan Morant probably sees the field this year. I love him at Viper eventually. We'll see. That's just kind of a projection for me at this point. Yeah, I'm just really hesitant with uh, putting freshmen out there, especially a person like Barrett entering his third year in the program and the scheme. So I get the nod there with a lot of talent at true freshman, but like we saw this year with Dax, so it's really rare they get out there like that. Yeah, more likely he contributes on special teams or something, but yeah. might be 
guy that burns his red shirt even on special teams because he's that good and you want to get him ready to be a, a rotational guy at Viper, safety, wherever you want him. But yeah, I agree with you the rest of the way across. McGrones, he's he's in there. And uh, if he goes down, it'll be Ross or Gill backing him up. Uh, probably Ross moves to middle and then you move a guy like Anthony Solomon over to uh, to weak side linebacker. Um, in those pass rushing, rushing packages, when you go with a uh, 3-4, Guy like Anthony Solomon probably sees the field. You got Kalel Mullings. Um, you've got Nikai Hill Green, some names behind there. Jalen Harrell. I like David Ajabo, though, like I said, especially playing a Josh Uche type role. I'd be interested to see David Ojabo maybe on that Sam Edge rusher role this year. You love your boy Ojabo. He's your new Josh Uche. I'm on the train, brother. I like it, man. I respect it. Yeah, I'd love to see Ojabo, especially out there in the pass rushing packages where it's basically like five defensive ends all coming at you. Yeah, exactly, which they did a lot of. They did a lot of down the stretch. So because of that, I'm high on him. If it's not him, uh, Jalen Harrell, kind of the similar type player as Uche and Ojabo. Uh, but once again, true freshman, I'm going to go with the guys that have been in the strength program for a couple of years. So. Yep. Let's, let's move on back to safety, where I feel like the starters are cut and dry, but we could see a lot of athletes back here. Yeah, there's just so much depth here. I mean, I don't think any position is is stocked as safety right now. I mean, running back would be the only one. Running back or receiver, maybe. But this this cupboard is not bare. No, this is just a – other positions might be deeper because of experience, but as far as just a plethora of talent, safety has never been stronger that I can remember at Michigan. No, 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 no. Like this is – I wish our cornerbacks had this problem where you just got a bunch of studs lying in wait. I mean, we might have to try and get one of these guys over to cornerback, maybe a Macari Page or something. But at free safety, it's probably Dax Hill, strong safety, Brad Hawkins. I mean, you might be able to move them to switch sides, but those are your starters at safety. Yeah, that's just – it's indisputable. Brad Hawkins has come a long way and. Dax Hill, besides getting burnt by Jerry Judy, which everybody did in college football last season, is an yeah. outstanding prospect. Five-star kid, lights out in coverage, so he's going to be there. A lot of speed in the secondary next year, and Brad Hawkins can lay the wood as well. Absolutely, and then you got R.J. Moten, Makari Page, and Jordan Morant, the trio of four-star safeties. Makari Page, a little more rangy, probably your free-safety type guy. R.J. Moten as well. Uh, Morant, just a big body that can hit, probably either a viper or a strong safety. So guys that you might want to see start to get the field, um, but Dax Hill was a, is a true freshman last year. He'll be a true sophomore this year. we got two more years of Dax Hill. Oh. I mean, Tell me me that again as you lay me down to sleep at night. That is fantastic news. Yeah, I'll whisper that into your ear every night. So at safety, we are totally set. I think you try and move Makari Page to corner, personally. I I agree. 100%. 6'3", 185. He's in the Richard Sherman mold because Richard Sherman's 6'3", 195. As far as body type, not skill-wise. But, yeah, that's the move because Moten's six feet already over 200 pounds, and you touched on Moran already in his frame. So it seems like Paige is going to be the one they move. I, I would. If I were them, I'd give him a shot at corner. And if not, you know, he's still got another year of Hawkins and Hill. I doubt Hawkins jumps early. So, or, But will Hawkins be a senior next year? I think we have two seasons of Brad Hawkins left. I'm pulling him up right now. Yeah, because I think he had a redshirt year in there as well. I think he was only like a redshirt sophomore this year. If I'm he's, not. Yeah, he's like deceptively young. Brad Hawkins – yeah, he, nope, he, this is his last season. He played in 12 games in 2017 as a freshman. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so you're grooming a replacement for him as well, but you yep. got Dak still in there for two more years. So yeah, you're in great shape at the safety position either way. So uh, do we want- has appeared in 36 games. I mean, quietly good season for Michigan last night. Really not out of position too much. Not afraid to come up and hit. Um, just quality, quality player. Yeah, so hey, Brad Hawkins is back. Good for him. This is a pro Brad Hawkins podcast. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's not going to be the sexiest player. I mean, I think Luigi Villain gets talked about more than Brad Hawkins. Luigi Villain gets talked about more than Shea Patterson did last season. <laughs> I can tell you that no one's getting talked about less than Shea Patterson starting with this season. That's fair. Uh, One last thing for you. As we do every year, and we'll do this year, we're going to have a spring draft. Would you like to revisit our spring draft from last season? I absolutely would, because I think towards the end of the year, I made some strides. I could be wrong. Let's revisit it. All right, Jared, your starting team here. Um, None of us drafted Hassan Haskins because none of us saw it coming. You had Dylan McCaffrey. Okay. Charbonnet and Ben Mason. Okay. DPJ, Ronnie Bell, and Sane Restrill. Okay. Nick Eubanks. Well, I got some options. You got some options. Uh, tackles, you had Stuber, who missed the season. Okay, can't hate me on that. He started. Andrew Vastardis. Okay. Steven Spinellis. Okay, both guys that would probably start this year. This year, except Spinellis is gone. Uh, ben yep. Bredesen and Cesar Ruiz. So you got better on the interior. Yeah, that's a solid interior. All right. Defense, you had Quiddy Pay and Mike Dana. Okay. Carlo Kemp and Ben Mason. Well, that's unfortunate they're in the middle, but, I mean, we didn't have many better options. <laughs> Josh Uche and Jordan Anthony. Oh, I missed on my Anthony prediction from last year. Yeah, it gets it gets bad in the back. You have Klee Hudson, though. Okay. Lavert Hill. Okay. Miles Sims, Jameric Woods. Ooh. Brad Hawkins. Oh, yeah, that back end is unfortunate, huh? And then Brad Robbins, Brad Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Robbins doing all my kick. That is unfortunate. All right. Well, uh, all right, let's hear yours. All right. I have Shea Patterson. Right. Christian Turner, True Wilson. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tariq Black, Nico Collins. Okay. You have one competent receiver. <laughs> Sean McCune. Good. Okay, I guess. Decent. This is where I, this my offensive line, just like I got you got me the year before I got you here. John Runyon, Jalen Mayfield, Mike Onwenu, Ryan Hayes, Chuck Filiaga. Yeah, yeah, that's a better offensive line. All right, uh, defensive ends, Aiden Hutchinson, Luigi Villain. Okay. Tackles, Dwum Foreign Jeter. Linebackers, Josh Ross, Devin Gill. Neither of us had McGrown either. That's so funny. That's crazy. Viper, Jordan Glasgow. Corners, Ambry Thomas and Vincent Gray. Mm. Safeties, Josh Metellus, JKP. Kicker, Jake Moody. And punter, Will Hart. Nobody had Dax Hill either? None of us. He wasn't on campus. It was spring game. Campus, yeah. Spring game draft. Spring game draft. Uh, I'd say you got me there. Barely. I'd say I got you, but it it was closer than we thought because of the emergence of people like Josh Uche and Brad Hawkins, especially. And then Sainer Still and Ronnie Bell. Like those yeah. are the guys you really hit on. And because at first when we did it, I was like, dude, I trust you. But looking back, it's, I got you because of the offensive line. I think some of the secondary because you, Miles Sims and Jameric Woods. Yep. Guys that I took flyers on that didn't end up hitting. So, yeah. well, you know, I'm all right with that. So I would say we're about even. I got you the first year. You got me year two. Uh, looking forward to that one. When do we usually do that? March-ish? Yeah, right around March. 
around March. Looking forward to that one. Hopefully we actually have a spring game this year. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Our spring game was as close as it got to reality. That's what I'm saying. We haven't had one since like year one of Harbaugh, so it's not even really a thing anymore. But we still like doing it, so to hell with it. <laughs> the health indeed, sir. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight, my friend. Any final thoughts from you? Go blue, man. I can't wait for football season. And basketball, we're just treading water until Isaiah Livers gets healthy. That's what I'm saying at this point. Once Livers comes back, though, it's a, it's an open field basketball-wise. So it'll be a fun basketball season. I'd say probably probably next week we probably start talking about that, yeah? Bring it on, baby. We're, we're, we're a basketball pod now. Now we are. We're a basketball school now, yes. We'll also be doing our Academy Awards slash Season Awards podcast. That's coming up next, giving out our favorite players, best names, best hair, best plays, best moments, uh, most takeover performances of the season. That'll be a fun one. And then we'll also kind of talk about some of the Academy Award-nominated movies, how we see that shaking out. That's always a good time. A lot of off-season content, mixing it up, being as random as possible. Come for the Michigan, stay for the pop culture, enjoy the takes. Yeah, and because you got nothing better to do like us. That's going to do it for us here on Out of the Blue. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter. Follow Mason Brew on Twitter, at Mason Brew. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, at Andy underscore Bailey1, at JStorm303. Like, share, subscribe, and leave a review for all your shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Mason Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with new episodes of Closing Time, hosted by Anthony Broom. I'm Jared, that's Andy, this is Out of the Blue, reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.